Hey, it's Josh. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to let you all know that the Vermont Public Spring Membership Drive has arrived. Donations from folks like you make everything we do here possible. If you want to help support our people-powered journalism, be sure to make a donation in any amount by March 16th by going to bravelittlestate.org donate. And as always, thank you for your support. Thanks to Vita for their support of Brave Little State. Since 1974, Vita has helped Vermont businesses grow and thrive. From agriculture to energy, startups to family companies. Find solutions that fit your business. Visit VEDA.org to start your next chapter today. And Sunset Lake CBD, a farmer-owned business crafting CBD products right here in Vermont. Learn more about their sustainable farming practices, delivery options, and how to support local farmers at sunsetlakecbd.com. From Vermont Public Radio, this is Brave Little State. What do you want to do? How do you want to do this? Um, well, why don't you tell me what you're doing right now? Sure. In a sweltering kitchen at the American Legion Post 5 in Brattleboro, Tristan Tolino is chopping potatoes. Right now I'm making a potato salad that is going to be done in a gluten-free and vegan way. It's not the only thing cooking. I'm making quinoa salad. Justin, how's the quinoa? Tristan's three employees are frying chicken and cooking pasta and slicing cheese. It's all for the catering business that Tristan runs and the wood-fired pizza business that he co-runs. Today, his crew is prepping for four different jobs. The the way that catering works is that you never know uh, what a day will be like. You think you have a soft day and then all of a sudden it's a crazy day and then you're... It might sound like a lot. But for Tristan Tolino, who's 45, this could be considered a slow day. It's summer, and in the winter and spring, Tristan runs his business, and he represents part of Brattleboro in the Vermont House of Representatives. I'm the assistant majority leader, so I'm the whip of the house. These guys are used to having me be on a conference call while I'm cooking, or they know, like, I'm in the other room and for three hours, and you can come in and grab me if you need to, and that kind of thing. Has anything ever happened while you were multitasking? So, like, you're on a conference call and... Hold on a second. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Hi, Orly. Vermont has what's called a citizen legislature. That means representing your community is not officially a full-time job. We'll get deeper into that later, but for now, suffice it to say, you spend about five months in Montpelier, and you get paid something like $11,000, $12,000. And then, even in the off-season... You've got to be on. So has anything ever happened while I'm multitasking? Uh, let's see. Like, Tristan Tolino will be cooking pizza at the Brattleboro Farmer's Market, and one of his constituents will come up and start talking to him, and he'll mess up an order. The pizza will come out, and there'll be no pepperoni on it. I've had two of the three right, or something like that, so... so. (laughs) But I've done that when I'm not talking to people, too, so... Tristan let us check out his kitchen because we were wondering how he makes it work, how he's able to serve in Montpelier and have a separate career. Well, we weren't wondering. Our question asker, Carl, was. Welcome to Brave Little State, VPR's people-powered journalism podcast. I'm Angela Evansy. This is a show about curiosity, where we answer your questions about Vermont, our region, and its people. This month... My name is Carl Christensen. I live in Wethersfield, Vermont. A question about the economics of Vermont's citizen legislature. The pay is not enough to live year-round, so are our representatives farmers, or are they rich? 
has a schedule that allows them to pick up and move to Montpelier for five months. And who's able to get by on such low pay for that work? In other words, are the people who represent Vermonters truly representative of Vermonters? We have support from the VPR Journalism Fund. Welcome. Is this your first radio experience? It is, yes. Our question asker, Carl, came into the studio to talk to my colleague, Peter Hirschfeld, and me. Pull that right up, like, whatever your natural talking position Pete covers the State House for VPR. Show up. There you go. Okay, All right. cool. Carl is a teacher, and your kids would be lucky to have him. He has a PhD in chemistry. And what grade do you teach? High school, so I'm teaching mostly seniors at this point uh, in AP Biology and Advanced Chemistry. So, All right. Yeah. Carl runs a science club, and he and his wife Jolene have two young kids at home, including a newborn daughter. In other words, he's just your hardworking, kid-rearing, kind of exhausted dad. But Carl is also interested in politics. He supports marijuana legalization and works with the Vermont Cannabis Association. Is being a representative or being a senator something you could see yourself wanting to pursue? Yeah, absolutely. I have thought about that. But it just does not make sense for where I am. It's not the type of thing that I could do right now because I'd be putting an unfair burden on my wife to care for our children if I was away from home. And I'd have to be working part-time in addition to the government side of things. It's just not feasible. Carl says a lot of his friends feel this way, too. The whole situation kind of perplexes him. I don't really understand the mechanism that you could be an elected official in this state and still maintain a normal lifestyle if you needed the income that you earn. It also kind of worries Carl. If he can't make it work, who can? I think we're just missing points of view. Which is why he came to Brave Little State. And why we then went, with Carl, to visit Tristan Tolino, the caterer slash majority whip. Hi. Hi. Carl. Tristan Tolino. Nice to meet you. And Tristan confirmed that Carl's question is definitely worth asking. You have hit the nail on the head (laughs) in a really important way. I think a lot about that very question and, and you know, what does representation look like in the legislature and, and why it matters and why it matters for the future of Vermont and future of Vermont democracy. There are a lot of reasons why it matters. Consider this one. There aren't too many part-time employees that are called upon to make the decisions that our lawmakers are. What kind of employer asks the temps to write a $5 billion budget or to figure out how to clean up Lake Champlain? Or think about everything that's going on in Washington right now. Various forms of federal funding are on the line. And if that money goes away, state lawmakers are going to have to figure out what to do. These people have a ton of responsibility. And no matter what your politics are, it's worth considering how the structure of our legislature can influence who even considers running for office in the first place. So let's get a little background on that structure, shall we? Pete, take it away. All right. Let's just get some basic civics here. What even is a citizen legislature? We do use the term citizen legislature, sometimes amateur legislatures. Uh, And it denotes usually those bodies that don't meet for particularly long sessions and don't pay their members very well. This is Peveril Squire. He goes by PEV. I'm a professor of political science at the University of Missouri. Pev wrote the book on state legislatures. A lot of books, actually. He spent most of his 30-year career studying them. 
we often do uh, among political scientists lament that the American public doesn't really understand uh, structures and process very well. The state legislatures make many important decisions that most of us don't give them full credit or blame for making. They tend to uh, dictate to a greater degree most of our daily lives than uh, things that happen in Washington, D.C. But not all state legislatures are the same. Our neighbors to the West in New York have what academics like Pev call a professionalized legislature, which looks more like the U.S. Congress. Lawmakers in New York make almost $80,000 a year. And then you've got our neighbors to the East in New Hampshire. They have a citizen legislature like ours, but the pay is worse, like way worse. Well, New Hampshire uh, set its salary at $100 in 1889, and it has not changed since. Vermont lawmakers, to remind you, make upwards of 12 grand. So as far as legislatures go, we're kind of average. And Pev says that citizen legislatures like ours are thought to have certain benefits. The argument that is often made is that, of course, citizen lawmakers, in some sense, have to live under the laws they pass to a greater degree than professional lawmakers who may, in some way, be more insulated from their own decisions. Here's the flip side of that argument. It tends to be skewed in favor of certain groups to the exclusion of other groups. Now, you might have heard that Vermont's legislature was originally structured to allow farmers to hold office. And that's why our session runs from January through sometime into late spring to leave the growing season open. We asked Pev Squire, is this a myth or is it true? Uh, there's probably more truth to it than you might suspect. Uh, most legislatures did organize their schedules around uh, the agricultural calendar. And here in Vermont, that schedule still makes sense for a very small number of lawmakers. We put Carl's question to one of them, a state rep by the name of Rodney Graham. Are our representatives farmers or are they rich? <laughs> well, I'm a farmer and I'm not rich. Rodney wears a suit in Montpelier. Here on his farm in Williamstown, he's got a plaid shirt tucked into his navy blue dickies. He moves slowly, speaks softly, and works the same dairy farm that his great-grandfather started exactly 100 years ago this summer. We're milking around 60 right now, a total of around 80 milkers. Those cows are grass-fed jerseys, and they're grazing on the 300 acres that Rodney owns in Williamstown. It's a stretch of land he knows well. I was born in Barrie Hospital and been here since. You yeah. mean without uh, any breaks? I mean, did you go away for a few years and come no. back? No. Always been on the farm. Yeah. Rodney is one of two farmers left in the Vermont legislature. He's in his second term now. He's 53, and he's a proud Republican. In trying to run a farm business, you can't keep spending money you don't have. You've got to figure out different ways to do things. Um, be diversified. And, you know, there's not that much of that in Montpelier. Rodney says he has to be diversified to balance the budget at his farm. We do maple sugar in, and then I do Vermont vehicle inspections. So you're a mechanic? Well, we fix our own stuff. I just do inspections. I don't do repairs on right. other people's vehicles. And civil service runs in the family. My father was on the select board. He was on the planning commission. My mother was a town clerk for a number of years. My nephew was on the cemetery commission. My wife is currently the town clerk. Rodney wakes up at 4.30 every morning during the session to milk his herd before he heads off to Montpelier. He says he doesn't have too many colleagues in Montpelier trying to swing the same challenges. 
Most of the people that are in the state house, they're either retired so they collect on Social Security or you're self-employed, you know, so that you can arrange to have time off. What you're missing in the middle is the average working person that doesn't have a business. It's not self-employed. I mean, it has, in order to survive, they've got to go to work five days a week for 40 hours. And Rodney says that average working person needs a louder voice in the state house. They're the ones that are supposed to be helping out the most. So they can support their families and stay here in the state of Vermont. And they're, they're the voices that we don't hear down there. So who exactly is serving in the legislature? Well, we crunched some numbers to see if we could figure that out. And the results were pretty interesting. Thanks to a rule passed in the Vermont House a couple of years ago, representatives are supposed to file paperwork disclosing their sources of income. And Pete, you looked at each filing. I did. And of the representatives that turned in their forms, which was almost everyone, you found that nearly 40 percent said they were either retired or had no other meaningful source of income outside their legislative pay. Right. And then another 30 percent said they were self-employed. So that means that less than a third of representatives have the kind of job that most of us are probably accustomed to, like with a boss where we have to show up on time and work at least 40 hours every week. And I think that's pretty interesting. Um, And we were also curious about lawmakers' ages. Thankfully, we were able to poach someone else's work for this one. My name's Olivia, but I go by Olive. I'm 23 years old, live in Burlington, Vermont. Olive Robb is a UVM student. She studies environmental policy and ecological agriculture. We met up at a cafe in Burlington, and she told me about a journalism class she took last spring. It entailed a reporting trip to the State House, where she was supposed to interview as many lawmakers as she could. You know, I was talking to people, and I was just, that's how I started noticing it. I was like, oh, these are mostly old white guys <laughs> that are, you know, representing our state. And that's how I ended up doing, like, nine hours of research in one night. Olive got online and looked up all 180 lawmakers' birthdays, then calculated their ages. She says the results confirmed her gut. So the median age of representatives is 63 in the state of Vermont, and for senators, it is 65. Meanwhile, the median age of a Vermonter is 42.7 years old, according to the U.S. Census Bureau, which means our lawmakers, as a group, have more than two decades on the population they serve. So the state house might skew kind of old, but some would tell you it's less of an old boys club than it used to be. I'm amazed at how many women are there and how many young people are there. Anne-Marie Christensen is a first-term house rep, and she's right. Nationwide, Vermont has the second highest percentage of women in its state house, according to the National Conference of State Legislatures. And in the 2016 election, a notable number of 20-somethings won seats in the house. So it's not just older people who are making these laws. There's, there's a great diversity of opinion. Anne-Marie Christensen represents Weathersfield and Cavendish. If you've been listening closely, you know that Weathersfield is where our question asker Carl Christensen lives. No relation between the two. They spell their last names differently. Carl was supposed to join us for this interview, but like we said, he has two young kids at home and something came up. So he unfortunately missed out. Do you want some iced tea or coffee? Anne-Marie lives in an 1810 federal-style home in Perkinsville, which is a village in Weathersfield. Have you done a lot of restoration work? I think I painted every single room in this house. 
Right now, she and her partner are having the upstairs bathroom renovated. And we still have three more weeks before I can take a shower. I'm going over to my neighbors, taking showers. (laughs) Anne-Marie moved to Vermont in the mid-70s. She actually worked at VPR in our earliest days, and then the Rutland Herald and the Valley News. Then she went into communications in both global health and domestic health policy. That was a great time also. There were all these different phases of my life. She's 68, and she's retired now. But she says she doesn't feel retired. Um, I think I took nine months off, so that's not quite the retirement. And I've never been so busy in my whole life being a legislator, even though it's a part-time job. Even now, I'm here with you out of session, or I'm talking to constituents. That being said, her summer plans do sound pretty relaxing. I am taking a train across the Canadian Rockies, and that'll be a lot of fun. Probably go to Maine for a long weekend here or there. Um, Gardening, beating off the woodchuck in the garden. And in terms of finances, Anne-Marie says she's in a good position in her retirement. Not a lot of money. I'm not in the 1% by any means. She says she's living off income from various sources, mostly investments she's made over the course of her life. She's also pulling from Social Security. As for her salary as a lawmaker, Anne-Marie says she has no problem with it that or the legislative schedule. I think you work a little faster in a citizen legislature. I think ultimately if you had more time, you would just be debating it over and over again as I saw towards the end of session. But Anne-Marie definitely seems to take her responsibilities seriously. And she says the work is a lot harder than she thought it was back when she was a reporter. Some of the people that I covered, I thought, I certainly can make wiser decisions than they're making right now. And now do you feel, do you feel like you are making wiser decisions or has it been humbling? It's been humbling. So much so that when you have to vote, I would just always try to make right decisions along the way. You know, it hurts your brain sometimes to think as to how you're going to vote. And you have to think it through and and then think it through not how you would vote but what's important to the people in your community. It's demanding work. And Anne-Marie says she doesn't know how her colleagues with kids and careers do it. There are some freshmen who are probably in their late 30s, early 40s, have a family, have young children, and a full-time job on top of that. And they're legislators. I just can't imagine how they can do that. But then I say they're probably a lot younger than I am. So that would be, that's probably the answer. (laughs) This citizen legislature concept might work for Anne-Marie, but the fact is the legislative schedule in Vermont does not work for a lot of other would-be candidates, especially younger ones like Becca White. I'm 22, but my birthday is Sunday, so (laughs) almost 23. (laughs) Becca lives in Hartford, where she's already one of the youngest select board members in all of Vermont. But what the Democrat would really love to do is serve in the state legislature. I've always kind of had this this vision of being in the state house, being able to help shape policy. Here's the rub for Becca. I mean, the first barrier is that financial piece. It's, can I take off work? And if I take off work, will I be able to supplement the lack of income while I'm not working (laughs) um, with the income from being in the state house. 
That financial piece also worries Brittany Nevins. So just looking at that salary for that six months of service. Brittany is 25, passionate about policy, and thinks that voices like hers are sorely underrepresented in Montpelier. But like Becca, she says it's tough to imagine getting by on 11 grand for a half a year's work. Um, My rent-to-income ratio would be about 60%. That means if Brittany became a lawmaker, six out of every $10 she made would be going toward an apartment in Chittenden County that she'd barely be using. So you can see right there that um, I'm putting myself at financial risk when thinking about running for office. And then you've got folks who did take that risk and then decided they had to give up their seats after realizing holding office is just too overwhelming. I mean, yeah, I think the, the current structure of the schedule and the salary probably does definitely does limit the variety of Vermonters that can serve. Teo Jagar was 33 when he entered the legislature. He runs a media company in Barnard, but he thought he'd be able to balance that with service in the legislature. He couldn't. So I eventually, after five years, sort of got to a point where it was just too difficult to do both jobs because in the media world in Vermont, it's sort of feast or famine. You really have to hustle to get jobs or, you know, raise money to make your own work. It was the legislature or the job for Teo, so he decided to leave the legislature. So I was reluctant to to step away from it. I didn't really want to, but I didn't really see how I could continue to do that while also trying to have a viable small business on the side. Teo's story helps explain why Vermont's three major political parties often have to beg, plead, and prod to find people to run for office. You know, you're, you're like, you're laying on your sword to be a state representative. Here's Becca White again. Like, you have to be pushed into it. You're, you're so valiant for serving. Um, and unfortunately, um, that just doesn't work for most people. There's a saying in Montpelier that every legislative cycle is as much work as getting a master's degree. As the whip, you know, I sort of have these kinds of conversations with people where I say, so how are you doing? You know, like, what can we help you with? What's going on for you in your life? Here's Representative Tristan Tolino the majority whip who runs a catering business, one more time. And as the session was winding down, I I went to a number of new members. We had 24 new Democrats. And I said, I want you to know that it's okay if you come to the conclusion that this is way harder than you thought it would be. And um, every single one of them said, it is way harder than I thought it would be. So there's no question that to serve in the Vermont legislature is to serve Vermont and to be committed to service. Um, Because if you're not, it's a terrible, terrible uh, career move. Uh, Basically, like it makes no sense. It especially makes no sense for somebody mid-career. Somebody like our question asker, Carl. Thank you, Carl. Yeah. Hey, thank you. Thanks so much. I'll turn off the recording. Now, nobody we talk to thinks citizen legislatures are going away anytime soon, including Pev Squire, the guy who studies this stuff. I would be at this moment a a little bit, well, I guess probably the best way to put it is pessimistic that we're going to put much in the way of resources into any of our governing institutions. But at the same time, it feels like the stakes are just getting higher and higher. And I think we're at a point where we're going to have to figure out what it is we want these state legislatures to do. We're asking them to make more and more decisions and more and more complicated decisions, particularly as Washington finds it very difficult uh, for members of Congress to agree on policy. 
The next campaign season will come along soon enough, and we'll spend a lot of time talking about the people running for office and what they want to do. But Pev Squire says we should also be thinking about the system they'll be working in. We don't spend a lot of time contemplating what it is we ask them to do once they get elected. And it is a more complicated job than people understand. Pete Hirschfeld reported this episode with me. Thanks so much for listening to the show this month. And thanks to our sponsor, Shaxbury Cider. If you want to be part of a future episode, submit a question at bravelittlestate.org. While you're there, you can also vote on the question you want us to tackle next. Brave Little State is a production of Vermont Public Radio. We have support from the VPR Journalism Fund. And if you'd like to help us out, please give us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts. We hear that makes a big difference for shows like ours. Our editor is Lynn McRae, and our theme music is by Ty Gibbons. Other music in this episode by Poddington Bear, Nick Jaina, and Blue Dot Sessions. Music selection by Liam Elder Connors and engineering support from Chris Albertine. I'm Angela Evansy. We'll be back next month. And until then, remember, be brave, ask questions. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.